I, just to clarify something before I get in the word, my kids have been rallying all week for something uh, that I wear these shoes. So if you've been wondering, what is he wearing up there? It's, it's my kids, two of which will be in the second service. I'm not sure if they're trying to make me more relevant. Or they just say, listen, it, even if he doesn't bring a good word, they'll say, you know what? He looked good this morning. <laughs> it, it really is always a privilege to be able to bring the word and share. Um, and, and just to be with family like this, is just, it's just good, good to be together. I look forward to Sundays every week to come together and um, after a full week and be able to worship together like we did this morning. It's refreshing. It's life-giving. Uh, and so this morning, I'm just going to continue the series, and Chris will pick up next week, on, uh, on road trip. It's just speaking of the journey that we are on as Christians. I know uh, for years we've had the debate on, is it about the end result or is it about the process? Is it just about getting and arriving at the spot? Is it just about getting into heaven? Is it just about meeting the goal or is it about the process to get there? Can I just encourage you? It really is about the process. And if we walk the process out right, then we're going to get to where we need to get to. So this really series is about the road trip. It's about the journey. It's about the process. And this morning, I'm going to take a couple minutes and talk to you about, I'm saying I'm getting a little bit of feedback up here, about guardrails and rest stops, creating and maintaining margin. Easy to say, hard to do. And so let me just give, give a, a an example uh, from just from my own life. You know, cars today have wonderful, many, many wonderful uh, safety features that help us, keep us, keep me out of trouble, right? And there's all types of gadgets being added into cars. I went through and made a list of them. Everything from, of course, airbags and, and safety belts have been around for years now, but backup cameras have been added brake assist, forward collision warning, pedestrian detection, blind spot warnings. Now they have cars that will actually help you park. And then we have my personal nemesis. It's the lane departure warning. In our Toyota, it's the thing that beeps at me all the time, letting me know that I am not staying in the lanes. I, really, I think it has it out for me. I complain. We just fuss back and forth each other all the time. I think if I look at a line, somehow it beeps at me. So what I do is I quietly do what? I turn it off. Right? So, so, so the, this, this beeping, reminding me to stay in the lanes, the, the lanes themselves, the, when you're on the highway, the, the strip bumping that, that's on the side that makes your car feel like it's falling apart when you, when you go across it. The, you know, all of these things, the, the, the guardrails and the reflectors on the side, all of those are designed to help keep us in the lane. Because if we stay within our margins, it reduces the probability of us being in an accident. As soon as we start operating outside of those margins is when accidents can occur very easily. And same and even more so in life, that when we operate outside of our margins or we're pushing the margin to the edge on a regular basis, it leads to destruction in our own personal life. You know, and if we're watching a movie 
or sports, it's fun to see people take it to the edge, right? The, the Top Gun movie that's out, just taking it to the very edge. The, the, the Mission Impossible movies that are just taking it to the edge and beyond. It's the double overtime. It's the extreme sports. All of that stuff captures our imagination and captures our attention. But in real life, where we live today, watching somebody, watch their marriage and their family just be stretched to the edge, finances being stretched, emotionally being stretched, our energy being drained and running in that place, is not fun, it's destructive. It's difficult to experience, it's horrible to watch. And so this morning, let's just talk a little bit about margins. I want to try to define it. This looks like one of my children packing for college, but it's not. <laughs> so margins are the, uh, are the space between your load and your limit. That's what your margin is. So a load would simply be the, the commitments and responsibilities that you carry every day, right? It's, the, it, it's your work responsibilities, it's your family and relationship responsibilities, it's your, it's your bills that you have to pay, and the finances, all those things that you're obligated to, all those things that you're committed to, all those things that you give time and energy uh, and finances toward. That's your load. It's what you carry day to day, week to week, month to month. Your limit is your capacity. It's the end of your resources. It, we have 168 hours in the week. It is though, it, when you get to the edge of that, you get, you, you've, you've reached the capacity of your time. Right? It's just, it's just your limit, your edge, the edge. It simply is... Um, the point of maybe we can call overload. It's when you have an unhealthy amount of debt. It's, 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 it, it, it just affects everything in our life. So margins are that space beyond what we need. It's being 10 minutes early for church. It's, it's having some money left over in the month. It's it's being in conflict and yet not exploding. You know, it's having that margin, that space in our life beyond what we need. Call it, a, call it a buffer, call it a reserve. It's the breathing room in our life. It's the, it's the white on the pages. You know, if, the, if, the, if it was all covered in, in text from edge to edge and there was no spaces in between the lines and the text gets smaller and smaller, eventually you cannot read it. It's that space that allows you to breathe and read. It's the ability to flex and take on extra projects at work. It's the, it's, it, it's the space that allows you, it's that buffer that allows you the unexpected that comes up. I, I, I'm just, I just always say, it's not the things we plan for that make life challenging, it's the unexpected right? It's the flat tire when you're heading out the door running late for a meeting. It's, the, it's just always it's that extra bill. It's something breaking down. It's the stuff we don't plan for and expect that makes life a challenge. It, buffer margins allow you room to handle those storms, handle those difficulties, handle those moments. Every good highway, every good road has margins, right? They have lanes wide enough to handle large cars. They have shoulders and and they have meetings they have room for you we need that level of margin in our life we need healthy margins built in see there's several things that happen when 
when our margins decrease. This goes without saying, but stress goes up. So this week, I left the house running to a meeting. It was about 12 minutes away, and so I left at you know, 12 minutes. I gave myself plenty of time to get there. <laughs> I, I walk outside, and my son had pulled up from work and pulled in behind me. So, I, ran, so I, I unlocked my car, put my stuff in, ran back into the house to grab his keys. I had to find them to go back out to move his car, to run back inside and put his keys up, to run back to my car and hit the button to start it, and it didn't start. Because I now I've lost my keys. So after looking all the car, knowing they're not there, but still looking anyways, because the car would start if they were there, going inside, looking all over the house, I realized I may have left them back in my son's car. So then I grabbed... His keys again, I run back out to his car. Yeah, they're there. So now I lock his car, I go back into the house and put his keys up to then to go back to my car again. So 10 minutes later, I'm now sweating. I put about 5,000 of my 10,000 steps in right there. I'm running about 8 to 10 minutes late for a meeting, and halfway there I get a text from my office assistant saying that your appointment is early, he's waiting for you, wondering where you're at. Right? And so what happens to us? Stress just rises in those moments. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's, that's true with fine. It's true with anything. I can give you lots of examples. But it's not just moments of stress. We all have them. It's when we're in seasons, especially long seasons of stress, that begin to have a toll on us. A meeting of being late is one thing. Running late for all your meetings is another thing. Having a moment where you feel like I can't take it and living in a place where you feel if there's one more thing added, I'm just going to implode. It's not just revving your car and kind of running that RPM to the red line. It's when you're driving at that place where it's just staying at the red line that your engine begins to break down. Same thing in our personal lives. Stress goes up. And you guys know, I won't take time with this, but stress affects every area of our life affects our sleep, affects our motivation, just literally affects every relationship, affects everything in our life. So when margins decrease, stress goes up. When margins decrease, our focus narrows. It's what my daughter calls a me complex. We become acutely aware of our needs. And we become far less aware of the needs of others around us. Right? We don't have the capacity to think beyond this moment and this time and what I have going on and what I need and where I need to get to. And we'll pass 12 people in need on the way to get to where we're going to get to because we're running late. It's just that place where our focus narrows. We're just in a survival mode. Jesus talked about this, I believe, at least in part, as he talks about the parable of the sower. And he said there's one person that receives the word and yet the cares of the world choke it out. So we can't receive even what God wants to do and doing because the cares of the world are just squeezing in on us. Our focus narrows. Here's the other thing. Our availability to God shrinks. Now, our availability to everybody shrinks, but our availability to God shrinks. There's this scripture that I've just been meditating on. Really, it's, it's a law in Leviticus 19. I don't find myself studying Leviticus a lot, but I just have just been just been chewing on a law that's there that just seems so random. And let me just read it to you. Here's the law. 
When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over the, the vine a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Seems incredibly inefficient. Right? As a business owner, you're going to want to use every resource that you have. But the, but the law is, don't stretch to the very edge. Leave the outside unpicked, unharvested. And if anything's fallen off, just leave that on the ground. And if you didn't get something the first time through because it wasn't, you missed it or, or it wasn't ripe yet, just leave it there. But then he goes on to say, why? Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I'm the Lord your God. Essentially, he's saying this, as a landowner, leave room on your land for others to work. He didn't say collect them and then give them to the poor, although that's a wonderful thing. He said, leave room for others to come on and work. It'd be like a business owner essentially saying that, you, that, that if I run across people that need a job, don't have a business of their own, I create margin or room on my, my business to be able to include them right? The point is this, the law is set aside for those passing by the outside of the land that need food, creating a space for them. Be available in your business to be used by me to bless others is the idea. It was a law set up. Margin is critical in allowing God to use us. It may not be a heart issue. We, we may desire to be used by God. It may be a margin issue. We just don't have the capacity for it. We just don't have room in our schedule to, to stop when I need to stop and talk to someone and pray for someone. I don't have room in my finances when God calls me to to bless somebody else. We just don't have the margin for it in our lives. When we don't have margin, it begins to decrease our availability to God decreases. And this is not an exclusive list, but the last one I just say is, is when, when we have margins that decrease, relationships suffer. We're not engaged or present the way we need to. We don't have time for quality time. Some of the favorite times that Kelly and I have is just sitting out on our deck or going for a walk. It's the simplicity of that that for, throughout our marriage over the 27 years have been life-giving for us. Having time to have quality conversations, sit together. When I don't have margin, we don't have margin, we don't do that. You're just not present. It's like being in a conversation, hearing someone talk, and then thinking halfway through it, what are we talking about? What did they just say? <laughs> have you ever been there before? Yeah. Right? Because your mind's other things. You're thinking about something else. You're processing everything else going around you. You're not... Focused and in that moment, relationships suffer as margins go down. You have no tolerance. You have no patience. You become irritable. Everything affects those relationships. Someone said that relationships happen in the margin of life. I think there's some truth there. It's in the margin of life that we have quality of time with others. And I think there's a myth here of balance. We have this myth that somehow we, and I, I think it actually is a, is a Middle Eastern or an Eastern mindset that we just need to find balance in our life, right? 
you don't have time, you just need to make sure every place on the wheel is filled properly with I've got work time, I've got rest time, I've got relationship time, I've got church time, and we just fill out this thing that we just find. So we're in this thing always trying to find balance in our life. Well, I think it's like a dog chasing its tail. I just don't think you can ever really find balance. And the moment you find it, life changes. The moment you find a real good balance in, in your marriage, all of a sudden children are introduced and you know, those, all that's gone. You find a good rhythm at work and find balance and everything, and then you know, your boss comes in and throws something else, or you get a promotion. It, it just doesn't happen. You can't find balance. It's not sustainable. But what we can live in is margin in our lives. We can find margin that gives flexibility then to give toward relationships or give toward how God wants to use it or give toward whatever is coming up at work. We have margin in our life. Living in the margins, relationships in the margins. Being used by God, I think, often happens in the margins. So let me just, just point to Jesus' life just for a second here. I read through the Gospels again this week, really over the last couple weeks, and I just looked at them from a different lens. It's amazing how Jesus was always fighting for rest, time away with the Father, time away with his disciples. It was like it was an uphill battle, it seemed like, all the time. And his life was, especially at the height of his ministry, was in constant demand. You start in Matthew 14. The disciples are coming back from a missionary journey, essentially, when they're used tremendously. And he's processing with them, and then he wants to get away to process and unpack everything that goes on. So he jumps in a boat and heads across. Well, the people see him heading out, and they begin to gather. And so when he lands, they are literally gathered on the other side. And Scripture says there's 5,000 men. There's about 20,000 people that have gathered here. So instead of now him getting away and unpacking all this with the disciples, he finds himself full of compassion, and he spends the entire day ministering to this group. It gets to dusk, it gets to evening. His disciples said it's been a long day. They're hungry. They're starting to get a little bit of hangry, and it's time to send them away. <laughs> and Jesus says, no, you feed them. So the disciples, what are you talking about, Jesus? We don't have that type of capacity in our lives. We, we can't do that. We have barely enough to feed ourselves. We have a couple baskets of fish and a little bit of bread. We don't have enough to do all that. So Jesus, obviously, you guys know the story, blesses it, feeds 20,000. I even understand the logistics of that, how you feed them in that evening. My wife and I, on a business trip recently, went to dinner with like 18 different folks. We had a private room. It was a really nice restaurant. And it took us three hours to get through that dinner with 18 of us. I have no idea how you feed 20,000 with a handful of people and, and organize spontaneously. So then he puts the disciples in the boat after all that. That's been a long, long, long day. He puts the disciples in the boat, and he pushes them off, and then he goes up to get some rest. And in the middle of his rest time, a storm breaks out, so he finds himself now out walking on the water to go rescue the disciples. No rest that night. No quality time with the Father. Now he's out in the middle of the storm. Solves that issue, gets to the other side. When they see him on the other side, after a long day, a long night, all of a sudden, they start bringing the sick to him, and a healing crusade breaks out. And Scripture says he heals every person that's brought to him. So can you imagine the momentum of that? Somebody coming up, being healed, not able to walk, now can walk. And all of a sudden, the momentum and excitement starts happening. And so he's in the middle of all that. On the back end of that, as he finishes that ministry time, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees show up. And they've got some questioning for him. 
So he has this courageous conversation. Can you see the emotional, physical toll that's happening on Jesus? So after all that, he does get away. And in his time away with the disciples, a lady shows up, and she starts crying out for her daughter. And this goes on for at least enough time that finally the disciples say, you got to send her away. We're not able to get any rest. We're not able to, to do what we need to do here. And so Jesus then, in his grace and compassion, ministers to this lady and her daughter. And then a crowd gathers of 4,000 men, 16,000 people. And he didn't spend one day with them, and he spends three days with them. And at the end of that, he does another miracle and feeds them. Can you just see the demands on Jesus' life? And yet he just seemed to walk that out with such grace and compassion. And he walked that out with, with just a tremendous amount of peace in his life. So my question to us this morning, and I just want to get into some real practical ways on how we create and maintain margin, is what it looks like for you and I to walk in that level of margin and grace. Recognizing the demands on our life, recognizing the demands on our finances, recognizing the emotional demands on us, the physical demands on us, recognizing the season that we're in. What does it mean? What does it look like for us to walk in that level of peace and grace and strength and reliance on the Father? What's that look like? So let me give you some practical ways real quickly that, that we can create and maintain healthy margins. Let me just give three of them this morning. First one is this. My first challenge is to create or complete an audit. An audit of your resources. My daughter looked over this and my wife looked over these notes to make sure everything was good and they both said audit. What? Here's the exercise. Take an assessment of your goals. What are your goals? Right? Uh, someone said that if you have low margins, you have low vision. High margins, high vision. If you have no, no margins, you can't see beyond where you are. You're just in survival. You're trying to get through the day, get through the week. You're, trying, you're not thinking, where has God called me in the next year? What am I... Called to, what am I running after? All you're trying to do is just keep your head down and get through it. High margins, high vision. What are your goals? What's called, called you to in this season? We have three wonderful children that are all, at least this fall, will all be in college together. We have committed to walk alongside them and get them through their four years of college with as little debt as possible. That is one of our goals in this season. Right? What are your goals? Financially, time, church, what are your goals? What, what do you believe God's called you to in this season? It's time to look at them again, write them out. It's not the first of the year, it's the middle of the year. Just take a moment and just remind yourself of what your goals are. What are your values? What's important to you? Again, when we're sometimes in life we just get busy doing, 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 running, going, and, and we just get lose sight of even what is really important to us. What are your values? And then my encouragement is take some time and do a hard assessment on first your time. Journal a week, just an average, ordinary week if there's such thing. 
Journal that. Where do you spend your time? Be ruthless. Be, be brutal with it. Just really take an honest look at where you're spending your time. If 168 hours in the week, where is that being used? Certainly work and sleep and, and food. But beyond all that, with the time left over, where is it being spent? Take an honest assessment. Take an honest assessment of your finances. Where, where are you spending um, your money? Journal it. Know every Starbucks, every time you're running or going or doing, or just stop off and get something quick or take care of this or go to the grocery store. Get a journal of, of where you're spending your money. Be brutal. Be honest with yourself. This is really for you. Get an idea of where you're spending your money over, over a, a, a typical week, a typical month. Get an assessment of what fills your tank and what drains your tank. You know, the, we all have what I'll call a gas tank, right? It, it, it's, it, and, and just like a car, if it's on empty, that light comes on and that needle is pushing toward E, eventually our car will break down. We have a, an emotional and physical reservoir. If that tank stays at E, and that light is blinking and we just choose like I do to turn it off or ignore it or just move on, we're eventually going to break down. So what fills your tank and what drains your tank? Yesterday, uh, we went to Bush Gardens. We saw for King of Country. It was great. We, we went in the morning and then we left a little bit in the afternoon, stopped, grabbed lunch somewhere off the, off the campus, off the, away from the park sat around. We probably spent an hour and a half sitting at a restaurant talking about what fills our tank. It was great. It was, for me, life-giving. It was what fills my tank. Just having meaningful time with my family, playing, having fun. Then we went back, did the concerts. Great. I'm feeling it today, but it was a great day. <laughs> know what fills your tank. Sports of any type, anything with a ball fills my tank. Watching it, doing it, Cornhole, spike ball, pickleball, anything with a ball, anything at all, just it fills my tank. A 20-minute siesta in the day, oh, it's life-giving. Travel. Being able to travel fills my tank. Just get away. Just see the, 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 the town disappearing in my uh, rearview mirror is just, it's, it's wonderful. It's beautiful. Know what drains your tank. Know those things that just, and, and we all have them, and we all, and, and, and there's things that we just have to do that drains our tank, right? I mean, there, there's, it's just life. We have relationships. We have family members. Some of them fill our tank. Some of them drain our tank. We're called to both of them. Let's just be honest. Having, for me, having to redo something, Oh, put together a bookshelf or something, realize that I've got half of it backwards and then have to take it all apart and put it back together. Yeah, just shoot me. I spent the last year and a half building some infrastructure and, and some processes and um, some things to move our business forward. And I find myself this year having to redo half of that. And it's just painful for me. Anything forward movement, life-giving. Anything backwards, oh, drains me. Talking on the phone just too much 
I'm on the phone with you and I choose, and I'm not trying to get off, it's nothing personal. It just, it, I just realized my tank is starting. See that E coming. Right, we got to know, my wife's over there, it's so true and she's laughing. <laughs> well, you got to know those things that, and everybody's different. You got to know those things that drain you, and you got to know those things that fill you. My encouragement was make a list, be super practical. Make a list of what are those things that fill your tank. Make a list of those things that are draining your tank, and then do an assessment of that. Where am I spending a lot of time? Am I spending way too much activity and things that are draining me? Am I living in this place where, where the, the, we're just getting close to that E and just kind of riding that line all the time or it's now dropped below E? Is my tank empty? Do an audit. Be ruthless with it. And secondly, I'd just say this. Simplify and invest. You know, one of the things that I realized a few years ago is how the word busy is thrown around so much. And I'm guilty of it. How's your day today? Oh, it's busy. How's work? It's busy. How are the kids doing? Well, I just feel like a taxi all the time. It's the only thing I feel like. They're, it's like, they're just busy. Schedules are busy. And, and my favorite is the grocery store. How's the grocery store? My wife will say, feels like everybody in Hampton Roads is there. It's just, it's just crazy. It's just busy. It's just overused word, and I think it's a cry of our time right now. I think it's just a cry of our age. Busy. And I, and I think there's so many factors that play into that. I think our culture itself is always pushing us to the edge. You know, when I was young, here's what I was told when I was young. I was told when I was little that modern technology and efficiency were going to make the work week shorter. <laughs> Does anybody remember that, or am I the only one that heard that? Instead of a 40 or 50 hour week, you would only need to be able to, you don't really need to work a 25 hour week because you can get the same amount of things done. And then you can have time with family, enjoy more life, do all those things. Has that happened to anybody? No, instead what happens, now we multitask. Now we just do more and more and more with those 40 or 50 hours a week. We're just cramming more. There's expectations for us to get more, be more efficient, more effective. We keep being pushed, push and push. There's expectations to keep up with everything courtesy of social media. There's expectations that were always available. Do you know, I have two lines on this phone. I have two lines, and I'm about to add a third. Is that sad or what? <laughs> the expectation that I'm always available when I'm working, when I'm not working, when I, it doesn't matter that I'm always available. And then if I don't respond right away, is everything Okay. You okay? You, you didn't. You didn't get right back. I remember a time where I, I I would go a week in college and on Sundays talk to my parents one time a week when I was in college, right? Because I didn't have a cell phone. I wasn't talking and doing whatever. I'm not recommending that, Hannah Marie. <laughs> <clears throat> you still have to check in daily. <laughs> where we were always available, but we're just. There is an expectation that we're always available. That we're aware of everything. 24-hour news cycles, we're aware of everything going on in the world. And that we're capable of doing anything. It's unhealthy pressure on us. 
And, and here's what I think. I think sometimes the idea of busyness fuels an identity. I think when we tell somebody we're busy, it feels like, you know what, we're important. We have value. And so it kind of builds us up a little bit. And I think that's unhealthy. If we're driven toward activity because somehow that makes us feel more valuable, then we miss the point. We missed who God is completely in our lives. He loves us where we're at with what He's called us to do and be. Not all the things we can just constantly create to somehow feel important. We add some more ingredients, throw them in there like inadequate sleep, poor dietary habits, caffeine addictions, an urge to project a preferable identity, a sedentary lifestyle, and we just have a recipe for train wreck. And the beauty of it all is, and maybe this is just me talking, maybe it's not you, but when we, we fight for margin, and when we get it, what do we do? We just fill it in, yeah. right? I, one of the things I love about my wife is she has this just tremendous work, that, work ethic. But what happens is we're 10 minutes early to leave for church. So that's 10 minutes to get some stuff done. I can get those, I can get those dishes unloaded and, the, and that kitchen clean. I can get that laundry switched over. I can fill... I can fill that time no problem at all. And, and on this treadmill, all, anytime I get a little margin, just fill it back in with something else. Anytime I get, I, I get a little extra raise, a little more finance, I'm just going to fill it in with another commitment, something else to do, something else to, to, to fill in on uh, an electronic board in my life. Just It's where we live, right? No matter where we are financially, we always need another $5,000. No matter where you are. You get that? You need that next $5,000. You need that next $10,000, right? Why? Because anytime we get margin, we just eat it up and we fill it in. So what do we do? We got to simplify and invest. We got to simplify. There's some of us that just need to learn to say no. Not to everything, but if we're doing an honest assessment and audit, we need to know what things we're called to be, what's fruitful in our life, where we need to be investing ourselves and where we don't. And we need to be able to have permission to say no to those things that are not. And it's hard if you're like me and you just love serving people. You want to please everybody. I just want to, and so I find myself, instead of under committing and over delivering, I just find the opposite. I'm over committing and I'm trying to figure out how I deliver on all that. Learn to say no. Learn to cut out things in your life. When you go through an assessment, then you've got to be willing to be brutal and just cut out some stuff. Some of those things that are not producing fruit in your life, cut them out. Some of those things you realize, maybe God called me to a season, but I'm just overextending myself there. I need to cut it out. We need to be able to simplify in our lives, and then we just need to double down and invest on those things that we're called to, those things that are fruitful, those things that are valuable to us. We need to double down on them. I have three weeks before, three or four weeks before my kids go back to college, I need to create time to run over to my son's work and spend 30 minutes with him on lunchtime. My daughter's working down in Chesapeake. I need to create time to go down. She's been asking me all summer. I need to create time. I heard you, darling. I need to create time to go down and, spend and have lunch with her. Right? I need to double down and invest those things that are valuable to me, those things I know God's called me to be and to do. 
We need to simplify and then we need to invest. And lastly, I would just say this. We need to rest in God's supernatural provision. Although God calls us to be productive, He calls us to have a good work ethic, He calls us to be a good steward of that which He has given to us, all biblically sound. He didn't call us to work alone. Right? He didn't call us to work in a void. He empowers us and provides for us as we walk out what He's called us to walk out. If a loving God has my eternity taken care of, it's in His hands through Jesus Christ, He can certainly take care of all my day-to-day needs. That's what He told the disciples. He said, you know what? Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about your life. Don't stress over it. What you'll eat, what you'll drink, the day-to-day stuff, what you'll wear, I'll take care of it. Haven't I already taken care of the birds? They're not ones that are going out and planting a field and preparing, and he says they're not harvesting that, and they're not building barns and filling them up and preparing and having all this margin, yet I provide for them. How much more will I provide for you? So there's a place in our life to recognize we need to do everything we're called to do to walk in the margin and, and be good stewards of what he's called us to, to, to get calls with responsibility over. But then we've got to fully trust that God's going to do his part as we rest and we trust in him. It's really what I believe the disciples had to get in the process of this Matthew 14 when he said, feed them. We don't have the margin for that. Yeah, but trust me, I'm about to do something supernatural through your life that's well above you. God does exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask or even imagine, right? He, he goes beyond our margins. You know, it, it's important to know that our schedule doesn't control us. We should control our schedule. But it's also important to know that we don't have control of everything. We have a God who's in fully control. We can't have control. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what happens when we walk outside. We don't know. But we have a God who, who is fully in control, so we don't have to be. David still said, be still and know that I am God. Psalms 46. It was in a psalm that he's talking about tremendous storms and turmoil and everything going on around him. And then in the middle of it, he's describing this turmoil and he just stops with this prophetic declaration. He says, be still and know. Right? It's in those storms. It's, it's when the disciples were out on that boat. They didn't anticipate a storm coming up. They thought they were going to life, but they recognized that God was in the midst of them. They're in the middle of what they were going through. There's a place where we need to trust and rest in God's provision. Let me share one more scripture. I'll just end here. This is a song of David. I will not sing it, but I'll read it to you. Well, I'll be better for that. (laughs) Here's David's testimony. He said, I've been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging for bread. Right? That's a testimony of our life. Would you stand up with me? I'm going to ask those that are um, here to pray with folks this morning, if you'll come up to the front. As we close, I, I simply want to take a moment 
and minister to those that feel overloaded. Could be in any area of your life. But you just feel overloaded, overextended, emotionally, physically, your finances, in relationships, your time, and you just feel tired today. She said, come to me, all those who are weary and heavy laden. Those are carrying a big load down. I understand a lot of that has to do with religious, that scripture specifically is speaking of, of those that have been putting a lot of religious duties on them. But it's broader than that. Come to me, all you who are weary. If you feel weary today in this season, you feel overloaded in this season, would you raise your hand up? doesn't matter what it is. doesn't matter what place it is. Just keep it up for a second. I want to pray over you. Father, right now, Lord, you recognize the seasons of life, the season that we're in. Father, you recognize those areas that feel dry right now, those things that feel, Lord, just overloaded or overextended right now, Lord. And I pray, Father, first of all, you'll minister strength. Lord, you'll minister grace over those areas. Lord, where there may be guilt around any of that, Lord, I pray you'll just lift that guilt right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that you are the lifter of our heads. Lord, I pray just a, a, a supernatural joy in that area of our life where we feel like we're on the edge. Lord, I thank you that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And Lord, I pray, Father, as, Lord, you provide just strength in those areas and grace in those areas, Lord, I, I also pray that you'll provide uh, assistance in those areas. Lord, that you'll meet us right where we are, Father, providing not only supernatural provision in those areas, but, Lord, also helping us, Father, to take an honest look at those areas. Today, this week, assessing, Father, what we need to release, Father, and what we need to keep our hands on. Lord, what we need to cut out, what we need to say no to, and what we need to double down and invest in. Lord, give us wisdom right now. Lord, give us insight right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we love you. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Christ, would you come? About you. Just feel peace in this room, <laughs> and it's just refreshing. It's refreshing. So I pray that as you guys go this week, that these are not the last moments of peace that you have through this week, but that you carry it with you, that it follows you through everything that you do. And can I just? Can I just? speak a blessing over you. You know what? I think I'm not even going to speak it. I, I'm just going to sing a blessing over you. If he dresses the lilies with beauty and splendor, how much more will he clothe you? How much more will he clothe you? And if he watches over every sparrow, 
How much more does he love you? The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. May God bless you and may his peace go with you in abundance. Have a wonderful week.